and we are live um welcome to the engineering unplugged podcast we have swanand pagnes today swanand is an amazing technician that i know uh, he has contributed a lot to the rubicon conference ruby conference in bangalore he was an instrumental uh, member in building that community and driving it for a couple of years he is an ex cto at kohler and he is currently building 100x engineers you're doing today welcome to the podcast hey, Bhavan. Uh, good morning <laughs> you're doing great uh, i thanks thanks for the intro i a uh, couple of years like uh, yeah if 10 years counted a couple of years then yeah i have been uh, building the ruby community it's been a parallel track in my career like there is a work track everybody has where you work at places you do things and you you sort of build an identity around that and then there's like other parallel things you do uh, right and then that parallel thing has been the community uh, activities for me uh, whether it's like the meetups conferences uh, building and mentoring people all of that and uh, i think it sort of shaped out quite well and the, the open source ethos has been behind all the meetups all along uh, and in the early days like nerds and geeks coming together and hanging out was like a natural thing right now it's a little bit hard a little more artificial and uh, things are not as smooth and organic as uh, they they used to be but i think still like there's a lot of efforts i can see like a lot of efforts being taken by different communities python ruby javascript who try to get people to you know come together and have conversations in some ways this is this podcast is also similar to that right uh people like in this case two people coming together and having a good uh, deep discussion and so meetups have played a big role for me personally and i'll i'll be like forever grateful it's very inspirational to see the kind of history that you have had uh, and your contributions uh, glad to have you here once again so to kick off the podcast um what has been a instrumental challenge that you have faced in your career which now defines you as a professional i've had a few uh, throughout my career and like in the early days obviously it was being dropped into uh, teams that were really good and then finding myself uh, not equipped enough to you know deliver the same quality with the peers being quickly uh, being a fast learner and keeping up with the pace keeping up with so many different uh new things that i never learned in college etc that was that was my early career but as i sort of started progressing and becoming more confident of uh, who i am and what i can do and uh started g- getting an idea about how my career trajectory is going to be the biggest problem i faced was how do i go and work on something meaningful something that stretches my abilities a little bit how do i master harder things uh faster and how do i deliver something of quality you know that to be, either to build reputation you know order business value there are a bunch of artificial reasons uh i felt that uh, you know that could justify what i'm doing but there was always like a intrinsic uh, desire okay i want to do really good and like i want to feel good about that and also i want to be like maybe known about that whatever like build your reputation all that all that right and right. so doing like deep focused work uh and 
the craftsmanship and mastery that comes along with it became like a challenge to me and and it also became like an opportunity i was in a remote setup uh, back in around 2014 2015 uh, in that time and just so happened that uh, all my teammates were in a different time zone than me they were all in the america american time zones and i was in the indian time zone and i would wake up in the morning and there was nobody online right and i had these four or five hours where nobody was on slack i don't, I don't think we had slack uh, we we had a slack later uh, but nobody was online uh, i didn't check my emails i just had like three four focused hours of work where nobody would interrupt me and i was working from home again my environment was set up in a way that i had an office a quiet place all of that and so i stumbled upon these three four five hours of uninterrupted period every day uh, and to add to that my colleagues and the team at that time was very supportive and we were all like a giant family and so i stumbled into this setup where the work i was doing was a little bit challenging it was slightly outside my abilities i had an uninterrupted times of focus uh, or at least an uninterrupted time on my calendar available to me and i had supportive colleagues who were okay with whatever i did right and so that combination sort of led me to this 3 4 years of a deep work period uh, and i also happened to uh, come across cal newport's book it was getting popular in those days yeah uh, and so i started uh, you know going deeper into i read the book and i thought okay maybe you know he's stretching it too much and uh, i felt like it was too too much about academia in the beginning but i read it multiple times uh, i also had a couple of conversations uh, in the rails community with uh, dhh and a few other folks who have been doing this sort of work and that whole iconoclast behavior uh, in dhh uh, was at that point sort of alluring so a combination of all of that led me to uh, have some more belief in the whole deeper philosophy mm. uh, as laid out by cal newport then i started uh, practicing it and then that went on for like a 3 4 5 year period and i lot of really really good things came out of that like i at work i did really good things a lot of my sql and database skills deepened i ended up building my workshop out of that and i saw reasonable amount of success i gave a bunch of talks including uh, like my talk about deep work a bunch of job posts i ended up uh, becoming like an engineering manager did well in that role then uh, subsequently built a, a consulting business that did well so a lot of, lot of really really good things happened out of those 3 4 5 years of focused work right mm. and when i was doing doing that work i was in that zone of working i wasn't really thinking about any of these things like i i did not really set out oh i want to build a business i want to do this things just happened organically as a offshoot of the work i was doing nice and so when i looked back on that uh, i realized that being able to focus hard on a problem that is slightly outside your comfort zone slightly outside your current skill set for long periods of time is mostly what everybody needs in their career but they don't get it 
uh, right and then and whoever is able to do it whoever is able to access that uh, they end up doing substantial like really really good career defining work and people are able to live uh, live their caliber uh, as far as i know uh, or maybe maybe not that glorious but they're able to do like far better job than they otherwise could have right one one theme uh, like i'll go a little bit off topic and introduce one theme that has been featuring my discussions lately is the caliber versus ambition problem right people are often like ambitious everybody's ambitious everybody deserves to be ambitious yeah uh, but they're not not able to match that ambition because their caliber is somewhat lacking the, the calibration between the actual caliber and ambition is like you know there's like a little bit of divide so are people, are people too to... ambitious um, yeah i think people, everybody sort of is too ambitious right? or well obviously not everybody but generally speaking software uh, and tech industry attracts slightly ambitious people so there's a self selection of uh, ambition in the tech industry itself and people want to like they see great examples around oh peter norwick did this jeff dean built map reduce uh sir guy brin built google what not you know they made billions billions whatever or they have the adulation of their peers and then we want to be like that aspirations which is great uh something to work towards but somewhere in my in their minds people start making these goals for themselves oh i want like a whatever some fancy car big house exit uh esop money this and that so and then they often like uh their calibers are not up to it or if the caliber is there they don't know how to reach you know uh, because obviously like some level of commercial success comes from uh business smartness as well right it's not all uh, engineering that can get you there uh, but even if let's say we were to focus on engineering caliber and all people are often unable to find work find something that drives them there and what the common theme i keep seeing and i've experienced is that this whole uh deep work phase everybody needs it like if you if you go through like a such a phase yourself maybe a couple of years two three years four years five years then chances are that you are going to meet that uh, and be be able to like be somewhat comfortable with your caliber and ambition and where you are right it happened it happened to me in some ways uh, happened to many other people i know right so i have like bunch of lived lived experiences uh, and obviously this is anecdote anec- you know anecdote not like uh, empirical evidence i, yeah. I get that uh, but but the evidence uh, at least some level of anecdotal evidence exists right and so i think that that's why this topic is uh, personally close to me and and i think uh, is significant in any any level of engineering discourse i think the ability to work deeply with a long period of focus i think is an important discourse and it uh, it's good for anybody to try and do that for themselves you know like there's only upside to it yeah does it make sense like or it sounded like somebody just rambling <laughs> no it makes complete sense so uh, it's interesting to know that you had about 4 or 5 years worth of uh, significant deep work uh to the tune of 4 to 5 hours every day and that's a huge time block that many people don't realize how valuable it is but what you're saying is that because you had it it ended up you discovering different layers of your professional life which you could not think of 
before you started this journey and in a sense it ended up developing your caliber as well as an engineer because you yeah. you built skills in various uh, domains and then you built workshops out of those skills which speaks about the depths that you achieved which was like deep enough uh, for you to share it with other people yeah. uh, so uh, yeah the whole discovery has been around the deep work and the techniques of it and the value of it correct Let's yeah, I mean, I learned like new languages, which I previously was like only admiring from a distance. Haskell or OCaml, for example, right? I I used to admire functional programming from a distance, uh, but then uh, during one of the phases, there was a particular problem that needed uh, a functional type language to solve it elegantly. I ended up using some OCaml uh, there, and. Uh, if i did not have like that kind of focus uh, you know uh, or, or focus time available i probably would have just went with my comfort zone which was ruby at that time uh, like i was only good at ruby i knew how to uh, build systems in ruby and it was so easy to just roll with it right but i thought hey you know what let me try something new and i had the time and availability the opportunity to just sit down and do like pursue this problem in a in a leisurely fashion right and then if you notice like leisurely pursuit becomes intellectual pursuit if you do it like without any like an agenda free uh, time so like if you if you do like an agenda free leisurely pursuit it ends up becoming your intellectual pursuit and i think this is the part uh, that really like deep work or this focus period gives you it allows you to explore and do things on your own and you know things stumble out of it like because like you and i both know that you can't really plan and carve out and map your career the way you can map out like a product right human beings in social lives are like too complex to uh plan and enact and what not it's not it's not that straightforward and life uh, has surprising ways of making different things happen yeah so so like we can but we can control like the way we work you know what we do etc yeah and then that can end up shaping especially in knowledge economy where we have more knowledge available than ever due to internet and due, due to all these connected devices um it's all the more important that in this new era of you know never ending distractions so to say um we understand deep work um absolutely sounds yeah, yesterday, yeah 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 yesterday i came across a tweet which is like relevant to this topic uh from andy hunt andy hunt is one of the foremost thinkers of our generation he wrote pragmatic programmer which ended up defining this generation of software development right so he said like uh, if you came across candy lying on a road you're not going to pick it up eat it and share it with your friends right social media is like same right treat it as like candy lying on the street right unless you know the source of the information you know about it you, uh, don't like consume it don't share it um, and and i think deep work is also about that right and you are in that zone and you know you're not just talking about it and you're not uh, you're not consuming random content you are you're consuming and working through focused uh, targeted things so yeah that, that's where we are but it's so rewarding right uh, 
i mean that's why people keep doing it it's so rewarding for our brains to pick that candy up and share it yeah. with somebody because yeah. there is a kick that uh, the person gets out of it correct i think like i mean maybe there's there's like i'm i'm pretty sure there's like psychology and all behind it like there is yeah. dopamine rewards uh, receptors being hit and what not mostly short term rewards uh, versus like uh, long term and maybe like something about the marshmallow test uh, holds true here that if you can wait then you get like you know multiple marshmallows uh, but if you pick that candy then that's the one only one that you're getting so uh, maybe for some people like the short term reward is good enough right but if it's not like for for like say engineers and people makers sellers somebody like you and me we are looking to do something meaningful like we we want to build something nice we want to feel good like i said like the, the intellectual pursuit uh, does not come in vain right i think we need to uh, spend some time and effort and planning into it right and then i think and the same thing applies to deep work as well like you can't just start doing deep work from like oh tomorrow i have a four block of meeting free time i'll go do some deep work that doesn't happen Uh, right and then that's how like i think that the the talk i gave to become uh, back in 2019 2018 uh, was was born that out of the 3 4 years of practice uh, i figured like uh, what worked for me and what didn't work i'll sort of compile all the things and you know give like a pointers let's say you and i were pair programming and one one key aspect of pair programming is avoiding uh, bad solutions right one of the reasons why i say pairing is so effective is you end up avoiding silly mistakes and bad solutions that you would otherwise pursue on your own and so the talk was sort of like a pair programming fashion where i said yeah these things i tried already and these are the reasons why it doesn't work like don't go, don't even go there start start from like where i started let's say one year into my journey so you can get a head start and uh, do better like optimize it further that's it thank you so much for that analogy this podcast is exactly about uh, doing that uh, pair programming with different experts and peeking into their experience so that uh, the viewers don't end up making the same mistakes uh, awesome let's dive into the talk great uh, i think um, it might it might benefit uh, uh the rest of the conversation if i sort of lay out the uh narrative or structure of the talk a little bit yeah so we, generally speaking i uh, any any topic that i want to deconstruct uh, or any experience report that i want to present i try to break it into sort of three phases uh, first one is like the what and why of uh, the talk or or what and why of this material like what are we doing and then why are we doing it like setting the context we did that in some sense already so perhaps we can skip that section then the rules and strategies right what worked what didn't work like what what are some rules what are what are some strategies to watch out for uh, and then wh- how did these rules come to be uh, and how did these strategies come to be uh, and then finally some pitfalls like things uh, that don't work things to watch out for etc etc so right. that's those are the general three sections i'm pretty sure i think we can skip the first section because we've just had a uh, a chat and i think uh, a lot of the listeners of the 10x engineering podcast already have a very good idea about the knowledge economy uh, they're living in it they're participating in it and you know 
I don't think we need to go deeper into that. I think people understand it. So, so let's just start from the rules straight up. Uh, we'll skip the preamble and we'll jump right into the material. Okay. So the core hypothesis uh, is that to to do well in a in a career, uh, the proxy like deep work sort of is a proxy for developing an X factor, right? And when I say X factor, that's like something that is unique to you, something in which you are disproportionately good at, right? And that comes from mastering hard things. Uh, and so that's the, that's the core premise of deep work as laid out in the book, as laid out in the online discourse and as I and many other people have discovered. So the talk is about mastering hard or the material is about mastering hard things fast and developing like an X factor for yourself. So we just want to set that stage so that we can remember that some part of that is working towards this. So if something doesn't make sense, we'll try to connect it to the core premise. Right? The, the first principle that I want to dive into is that you have to have clear boundaries between deep work and shallow work. And the nature of work uh, is such that deep work is distinct from shallow work. And again, when I say shallow work, I don't mean like shallow personality or shallow in a negative way. Hmm. I'm just using shallow as like the opposite of deep work, uh, right? Or opposite of deep in in here. Shallow waters, deep waters. Like how you would swim in shallow waters is different from how you would swim in deep waters, right? Hmm. In uh, in deep waters, you don't have respite and whatnot, so you have to make provisions accordingly. If you're going on a sea swim, you need to have a boat with you. So that if you get too tired. Uh, you, there's no way you can rest and stop in the sea. You need you need the boat. And if you don't have the boat, then you know consequences are bad. Uh, whereas if you're in a shallow water, uh, in a stream or a pond or something, you can just walk to the shore, go to the shore, and you know like the, it doesn't need a lot of planning. Correct. So that sort of analogy, sh- shallow versus deep, mm-hmm. right? Uh, uh, because when I, the moment I say shallow, people start thinking. Especially like people who are like leaders, managers start thinking like, oh man, this guy is saying I, I, my work is shallow, like, you know, whatnot. There's a little bit of negative, negativity associated with the word shallow. And I just want to side skirt that and avoid that. So, uh, so anyway, so the idea is that your boundary should be clear. Uh, you know, there is shallow work and there is deep work. And also the reality of life is that we have to do both. We have to have meetings, we have to have email responding, we have to have Slack. These things are part of work. We are not like recluses who can go live in a castle somewhere where nobody is disturbing them, people are bringing them food and things like that, right? Uh, we are not recluses. We are still very much social. We are still very much living, breathing, working with other people. Yeah. And so our workday is divided into shallow and deep. There is no denying it. So the very first part is to accept it and then draw, just draw clear boundaries, right? And so now the next set of rules that I'll go through, strategies that I'll go through are about setting these boundaries properly. And the first and the biggest hurdle is just too many meetings. Like, and at this point, like everybody, every software engineer I know identifies with this problem where they have just too many meetings to deal with, right? Uh, a known problem, uh, right? And my hypothesis is that every software engineering org has more meetings than it needs to. Like the number of meetings is always more than needed. Like people have meetings all the time. They are just a substitute for whatever not, uh, 
not feeling uh, or feeling lazy to type things out writing things out to just preferring to talk to a human like it could be like something as innate as yeah i just prefer to talk to a human hmm. uh, but more often than not it's used as a blunt instrument uh, to avoid uh, written work or to avoid a having a system of work right so uh, and anyway let, let's say even if the meetings are coming from a good place or a bad place like uh, like ill intent good intent or uh, out of apathy carelessness or out of careful planning fact is that we just get too many meetings right and it's good to segment them good to avoid them as much as possible etc right? some meetings should be avoided some meetings uh, need to be segmented together etc generally speaking software teams have a pathological need to meet and talk for whatever reason uh, so if but, you're able to recruit, mm-hmm. so i want to challenge that do you think software teams have that pathological need or is it software engineers who have that pathological need and it's okay for one engineer to just connect with another engineer why do you need a team of 10 people eight people uh, to okay. meet so often that, that's that's actually that's a that's a good challenge i uh, you know i'll accept that uh, what happens is so I'm, i'm talking about two different like two different things one is obviously the fundamentally human nature of being around and kind of being connected and feeling connected to people yeah uh, i i want to separate that from the need of teams uh, in the collaboration mode when teams are collaborating like the there is a strong feeling or uh, the de facto is that you talk to other people right, right. however uh, if you look at core principles of collaboration feedback the de facto mode is that you communicate the point across right and then you basically if you look at talking and being able to communicate with each, each other as a leverage then you don't always use if you keep using leverage you get hemorrhage <laughs> uh, right <laughs> so uh, you have to use that leverage wisely um, so if you look at ta- talking and being able to discuss something freely uh, right as a as an important activity then then you and if you keep doing it again and again the efficacy of that goes down right obviously because we are fundamentally social and if we don't draw that boundary we overuse it and talking for example uh, is a uh, low uh, what do you say high noise signal to noise ratio activity compared to a written let's say one pager you can make a one pager a very dense to the point thing when you talk you're not going to just speak it out right you will add a preamble you will add context you will add other things which right. may or may not always be needed sometimes they needed but most of the times they're not people are smart like they're working with engineers designers product managers qa these are professionals who know what they're doing and so good to the point terse communication uh, actually works right but like often teams are just uh, reluctant to try it right because whatever the needs and the reasons could be many but what I, what I, what i'm saying is there's always like a almost pathological need to constantly talk maybe like have a stand up stand up goes on uh, you know uh, two be, two people need to discuss like an api spec they say oh let's set a time on calendar okay, you don't need to And just write down the open api spec in a clear and concise manner add a guide and share it and then if the other people uh, the other party has a 
doubt or something they'll ask you know you can do this asynchronously on your own time and uh, you can you know actually have a much better result uh, so there's like the artificial need to uh, oh just just get it done today or whatever you know there's an artificial need for speed that generally comes from lack of planning and lack of uh, operational excellence so what happens is like more often than not teams lack operational excellence then from this lack of operational excellence comes this uh, overuse of meetings right again i'm i'm generalizing here obviously some teams are operationally excellent and then they still do a lot of meetings and all yeah uh, i'm not talking about outliers uh, la- larger public software teams that even at the biggest and the best of the companies people just have too many meetings right uh, and you could cut them down to half and nothing would change in the company Uh, right uh, provided somebody is taking the effort to you know have that clear and concise communication what not uh, so the, i mean i think one of my friend uh, had said wisely that some of the professional communication like meetings and all are a proxy for not doing the homework or proxy for not taking the effort like status meetings yeah. like one of one of the great examples status meetings are the most useless forms of meetings right and yet like managers leaders continue to have them instead of having like living breathing documents jira boards or kanban boards and what not one pagers confluence where you could just take a look at that and understand everything that you want to understand uh, and yet we continue to have status meetings right for example in the in the teams that i've been and i've enjoyed working stand ups were like everyday catching up with colleagues like we liked seeing each other we liked talking to each other and so stand up was our way to just socialize you know 20 20 30 minutes of just comfortable casual chat where we would catch up on different things we would discuss blockers and what not you know priorities those things would happen but people would also use that time to get to know each other better talk and what not right and then people are off to their their own uh, work anyway coming back to the point like generally speaking in any team for various reasons there will be just way more meetings than needed so the the next obvious thing to think about when come when it comes to deep work is having having meeting free days right uh, like we had a no meeting thursday no meeting wednesday and uh, after i spoke about it in multiple places like uh, this trend caught on and like no meeting thursday no meeting wednesday is a thing right in colon we had a we had instituted a no meeting thursday we observed it for 3 years and there was no meeting like on that day there were no meetings people would talk uh, but that was like mostly like discussion and things like that right or let's say pair we were into pairing at that point so mm. people would do like pairing and all that but no like no more than two people coming together and talking like that that was basically avoided on that day and so people would plan around that now meeting free day is great but you know what is better than meeting free day meeting free week meeting free week right so if you have a nice chunk of week then that allows you to like just basically that 10x metaphor is truly applicable here right you stretching that one day to let's say five days but the effect is like 10x 100x you know that, like when your brain knows that this whole week i don't have meetings uh i can just go deep in the work that i'm doing like you will get two three work weeks worth of work done in that week you know i guarantee you like when you know that you're not going to be disturbed you're not going to be interrupted you can just go go fast 
go deep and you can get the work done so having meeting free weeks ideal i mean obviously everybody should try to have meeting free days every week but there should be like every month week what not like alternate week whatever suits the organization just have like meeting free week like this week everybody's getting the things done if you have like tight deadlines and things it's great to have like uh, a meeting free week sufficiently early into the cycle let's say uh, it's middle of the october right now mm-hmm. and we have like a tight uh, important deadline deliverable middle of november right so it's great to have like a meeting free week later this month uh, so like a little bit a uh, little bit into the process where people have clarity uh, but not so late that status becomes like status of work becomes a problem or or anxiety factor so somewhere midway great to introduce like a meeting free week where people just go deep into their work right and then if you roll it into the organizational calendar works beautifully i mean they, when i was working on challenging problems there were there were like times where i would not attend a stand up i would not come to any meeting for weeks altogether right but i had that expectation set with my teammates and then they were okay with it right there was one uh, huge query uh, we were writing like some level of analytics style uh, analytics plus computer engine style product based in sql uh, i was the, the data science team had come up with a set of rules and then we had we were implementing those rules in our product right like it was it was a, it turned out to be like a 500 page 500 line giant query uh all defining moment in my career i i learned so much in those three weeks like half of my workshop uh, especially the one on sql querying was born out of that like the the three works of uh three weeks of work that i did uh, ended up uh, with so many things and so i would i did not even turn up to any single stand up in those three weeks right but i got the whole thing done <laughs> uh and and did it in a way like it was well tested uh, you know whatever but there was like uh, static checking and all that like so there are many layers of that work anyway right like you're saying now what i'm saying is swanan so, so this works definitely for the senior engineers who right. know when they are on track and who can right. identify when they are off track who are good right. at communicating as well and crafting those messages might not be right. a full document or a full confluence page Uh, yeah. but it could be a small email it could be a small slack message right okay. one paragraph two paragraphs um there is a lot of assumptions about self awareness a lot of assumptions about the quality of communication skills and quality of self organization that an individual has and yeah. having that across teams mm-hmm. that's quite rare especially in india where okay. you routinely have uh, people who are not so good at communicating who are not so good at articulating the doubt articulating the hurdle that they are facing right now okay in the face of that how do you view um the need of stand ups the need of meetings because that is compensating for the lack of skill understood and my experience is otherwise like i have uh, consistently worked with teams where uh, or hired and built teams where this was not a problem but let's say if you had people who are not so skilled or at communication yet yeah uh, and no i'm i'm not saying stand ups are bad i think stand ups are great uh, like for the reason that it becomes a bonding point for the team right one pivotal point in day if done right if you do the stand up in a way that 
you do you tell what you did you tell what you did you tell what you did those stand ups are dead like they are trap like <laughs> nothing short of trap but if you flip the stand up and go look at your core kanban board or whatever you work out of right and look at things in priority order right as a team then it becomes a great focal point for the day right and you can adjust that in your schedule right some like i'm not saying uh, and this 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 will come later in the uh, in in the in the content uh, that sometimes it's just unavoidable to work uh, unavoidable to have these things it, and sometimes it's good to so my strategy was to segment them you know like if you're having a stand up then have it like later in the day great like you know uh mm. use your focus time energy high energy time in the morning to get the work done move to stand up in the afternoon where people are sleepy if you have that luxury of having people in a similar time zone right you know you can adjust according let's say afternoon late afternoon etc so there are different strategies around that as well so you don't have to completely avoid those things uh because sometimes you cannot like you said uh, so you can avoid that so that but but the core point or the first strategy was to have a definite meeting free time hmm. uh and the key is having a planned meeting free time not an unplanned one so if it's planned then your brain knows and then you can get in that mode right so that that's the thing right uh and then again coming back to the boundary email asana trello jira pr reviews these are what i call as the the shallows right they are all important like we cannot avoid that so so the idea is segment it all in in a, in a time slot like in golon for example uh, the team had a habit of updating and responding like all the pr reviews and jira update happened towards the second half later in the day so by the end like people would finish like they would finish like either chunk of pair programming or focus work and then they would go and update everything write docs and what not so whenever you came into work in the morning you would have like a bunch of things comments and stuff waiting for you like you could choose to go dive into them or you could choose to finish your uh, work first then go dive into those later etc all of those depended on the context and the team uh, but that set set everybody up, up nicely and they had that morning and afternoon to themselves and then the evenings or late afternoons for all these shallow uh, shallow work right uh, so i generally recommend having like a fixed time slot for them in the day towards the end of the day generally works great this also like came from uh, born from the idea that uh, when i was working with the us team i would wake up like my day would be done at the time team would wake up right so the team was doing stand up in the their morning to accommodate for my evening right because right. their evening would be like i'll be sleeping correct and so obviously we could not do stand up at that time so the team was kind enough to choose a time that worked for me right and then everybody there also some people preferred morning and what not right so worked up first but my idea is like we chose a strategic time for the stand up and not just the first available slot on the calendar like yeah then the second uh, now because i spoke about pair programming i think i want to add that uh, 100% pairing is definitely 100% distraction <laughs> so uh, like i never ever uh, recommend doing 100% pair programming all the time even though i am a strong proponent of pair programming and i i used it quite a bit in my career colon everywhere like even deserve first of io i don't recommend doing it all the time very hard to 
being in a deep focus zone with someone else right like if, even if like you're like spouses and whatnot and working together i like it's super hard to develop that kind of chemistry it takes years and years to develop that kind of chemistry people like you know i have known teams and pairs who have worked with each other for years uh, and they have developed that kind of chemistry but it just takes too much time so if you can invest if you can invest and have uh, the opportunity to have somebody who you quickly get into the zone with great uh, but don't rely on that like 100% pairing is 100% distraction have like pairing free days pairing free weeks uh, where you just on your own and we tend to also think a little bit better on our own right and our job is like as much as it is understood it's also misunderstood software engineering is like maybe 20% about coding right 80% is about thinking uh, or maybe 60% is about thinking 20% about communicating articulating a majority of our job is about thinking and so you have to have that time set aside for thinking and we get into this uh, habit of thinking while coding right and the really really good developers separate this, those two right the the great developers uh, like the the ultra smart very sharp developers they are so fast at thinking that they they do it on the roll hmm. uh, but the, those are outliers <laughs> like you talking like you know like i'm sure like sanjay gemawat and jeff dean did not need to sit and think it, things would just roll for them right uh, uh, maybe not but, but, but what i'm saying is the people who do exceptional work often take the time out to sit and think then they do the coding and then there's some mix of amalgamation of both so that's why like this whole pairing uh, angle so everybody needs pairing free days and then again pairing free weeks for yeah. example see it's also yeah. worth mentioning that people who seemingly uh, you know can think on the fly while coding they have actually painfully reached that stage correct right they have struggled yeah, through the thinking and figured out the mental models and figured out where their thinking fits with their coding Absolutely. and now they have reached that maturity where they can just think on the fly but that is right. just the end state that we are uh, looking at and it's worth celebrating the journey which is invisible which, which is very hard to Absolutely. see because nobody Absolutely. shares it yeah and and the other thing is uh, if you are um, rolling uh, they call rolling with the punches and doing things on the fly uh one indicator is that you are working with things that you already know or problems that are a little bit familiar with right and everybody who when they are working at the stretch of their abilities they cannot do that automatic thing unless they are like stephen hawking or something who has like an iq of 180 what not and if you have that kind of iq then you don't need this podcast <laughs> uh, you don't need me you don't need anyone to tell you uh like you probably already are gifted uh so i mean obviously there are people who like you know einstein's and stephen hawking's uh etc who who can who can or feynman who can just think about any problem on the spot and they don't need anything like they have this whole ability mapped out i'm not that <laughs> like i don't have a 180 iq uh, i don't even know what it is i mean what, what my iq is uh but what i'm saying is um for normal human beings and i'm saying normal for software engineers software yeah. engineers are already a little bit left brain some self selection and we are uh arrogantly i would say like slightly ahead of the pack uh what not right, right. facts of matter by virtue of the social structure and economical structures and what not 
software engineers are let's say are one of those professions who are at the top of the intellectual hierarchy right somewhere at the top i'm not saying the absolute top and what not obviously that's completely debatable but what i'm saying is at yeah. that the top of the intellectual hierarchy there is a condensed uh, bunch of professions investment banking you know journalism etc etc what not right who, by nature select people who are a little bit let's say intellectual or mentally uh, gifted or have some ability right so in that the normal is that you know you you have that ability to think but not on the fly so when you work at the edge of your ability you need to take time to get the neuron connections and what not solidified in your brain right and that doesn't happen which is why my point is that you have to identify and give some thinking time hmm. now i think really well with say pen and paper right like if i have a pen and paper with me like i think with it like i'll draw doodle what not it gives me clarity it gives me an outlet of my loose thoughts uh sometimes like i and this is a great experiment uh, again we are diverging a little bit uh, but this is something i would uh, love for you to try let's say if you're thinking about something very deep you often have 2 3 4 5 6 7 8 threads of thoughts right? right now we have a limited short term memory sometimes it's four four things at a time sometimes it's five things at a time yeah you, when you find yourself going beyond that having the pen and paper to quickly write down that idea helps Yeah. it goes from your short term memory to the pen and paper and then you can come back to it when you need it, it serves as like a cache or a register of sorts for our brain yes yeah i do that so while reading uh, books especially interesting books there are usually these tangents where my mind will just go off there are new thoughts there are disagreements or agreements with the idea that's in the book or there is uh, uh, you know a new endeavor that might click that let me try this let me try that and yeah. what i struggled with for quite some time is that i would just not be able to focus on the book by half page one page maybe two or three pages my focus is gone and uh, this technique of when i am having an offshoot thought just writing it down on a piece of paper work really well because i know the thought is not going to get lost and i can finish one or two chapters in a sitting and i have maybe 30 40 points in a paper and then i can take my sweet time and process them separately apart from the book um very works good. very well yeah yeah and then it also acts as a beautiful filter because not every thought is worth having Something yeah like i end up striking striking off half of them yeah you can strike off like okay yeah that sounded nice at that time but doesn't make any sense now let me strike it off and what not you know or maybe it seemed very complex at that time and yeah. after an hour or two after a day when i look at it it's simpler and i can just correct. make sense of it immediately so maybe there was a question now it's no longer a question so correct yeah yeah you hit the nail on the head there that's exactly the whole point like our our short term memories are not that great and uh, having that pen and paper really really helps Yeah. specifically like when you're doing things that are associated visually like software architecture having a pen and paper next to you is such a gift and again pen and paper for me maybe a notepad emacs for someone else what not right, right? whatever some medium uh, so yeah uh, case in point the the thinking time is important and you have to give yourself acknowledge and give yourself the thinking time in whatever way it works for you right right uh and again by nature like uh, on call rotation pager duty these things are shallow work you have the whole point of pager duty is you respond to an external trigger right so you yeah. need to set yourself in a mode that hey i am doing something i am making my tea 
but if the pager rings i need to run right you cannot take on deep work in that mode impossible you might you might get 4 5 hours of uninterrupted time when there's no pager that hits but you'll not be able to go into focus because your brain is trained to respond to that pager and you're supposed to be in that mode like when you're doing like active on call duty so when you're on call don't do deep work don't do uninterrupted just don't plan for it and for software like engineering managers and leaders and anybody who manages people's work it behooves them to not load people who are on call and don't give them heavy work during their on call duties right let keep the workload light like in colon we used to keep the workload around 50% and people would do bug fixes during their on call period yeah you know, smaller or simpler and of course sometimes a bug fix reveals a much bigger fix we would put that for later they were not expected to but we would give them triaging duties etc during the on call period right uh, that would become that becomes naturally we our policy was everybody was doing on call one week in six week right mm. so one and a half months in the one and a half month period you will do like one week of on call that was the ratio we had based on our team size it worked healthy healthy enough yeah and that gave people enough time to spend slightly downtime what not they are supposed to be available for a longer period of time but it's a down slightly less intense period and people did not do any deep work there intentionally so again those kind of if you are on that kind of duty don't do on call it's shallow by definition uh, the the whole idea is again i'll come back to that point because i think that it's that important is that when we know that we won't be disturbed we focus better our brains are smart in that sense they are self aware in that sense right when you know that you're not going to be focused or you're not going to be or when you know that you're not going to be focused you don't go in the focus mode at all right and so it takes certain level of confidence and comfort with the idea that next 4 hours are for me and me alone your brain will go into that mode right let's say you are sitting and watching tv but you are expecting like a lunch delivery or something you will not be able to enjoy the material fully like because half your attention is on that the door is going to, the bell is going to ring i'm going to get a call from the amazon person any time Uh, same principle here, but even in a more uh, poignant manner. So that's the idea. Uh, okay, so that that was one part. Like you separate out your deep and shallow parts of your work life, mm-hmm. create planned segments for them, and in periods of shallow work, avoid deep work. In periods of deep work, avoid shallow work. If you notice, like a lot of the shallow work tends to be interrupt driven. Right, like. notification on slack jira email so it's a lot it's a reactive interrupt driven work not suited for deep work and then deep work can be like proactive when you are just sitting and doing things so that's the idea that's that's the central point separate out those two make clear boundaries and then enact those boundaries right now the next strategy is like the the focus uh, doesn't just come like that you have to focus on the focus like you have to intentionally uh, set things up so that you can go in the focus mode Right, continuation of uh, what we said earlier. So you have to plan for that focus, and basically work the the premise is work deeply and plan for the depth. You cannot just make it happen. A lot of things need to align before you can work in that focus mode. Because even if you had you, you convince your brain you have the segmentation done, you still cannot go into that focus mode because it's not that easy. <laughs> like there are things like biology and all that work against it. So this section is a little bit about navigating that. Like how do you plan for it? okay uh, and the the number one focus killer is uncertainty 
right if you are in an uncertain mood not knowing what to do uh very hard to get into focus mode this is where the point earlier you made about junior engineers or people earlier in their career may uh, you know is a factor that for a lot of junior folks there is a lot of uncertainty right there is one level of uncertainty one is like a domain uncertainty where you don't know what exactly you are supposed to do or what exactly what your the uncertainty about what and then uh, juniors have the added challenge of uncertainty of how right and so this uncertainty again is a is a focus killer you need strategies to navigate around that uncertainty right so let's say even if somebody is a junior they should know uh, like what to try or things to try out it's it's always okay to not know how to solve something hmm. right but it's not no not okay to not know what things need to be tried out right and of course sometimes you just run out of both you know actually it's not okay is a little bit harsh uh, but you should have a modus operandi right like operandi uh, like mo of what all things to do when you are stuck when you don't know how to solve etc like now you have like google and chat gpt and what not to get, help you get unstuck and things like that but even earlier than that like uh, we had this uh, guide where if you are stuck on this problem like what to do things to try like let's say if you are trying to figure out the root cause of a bug right everybody has these steps to follow check the load balancer check the logs uh, you know errors uh, look at memory add system.out.println everybody has like this 10 different things to try check the dns records what not right uh, if you are saying fault then look at the stack trace yeah all of those we have these set things uh, accepted things that we have done yeah. so people should have like some sort of an mo planning that if i get stuck when you go going to work you sort of have the basic idea of what uh, domain you are working in so have a plan to deal with uncertainty before let's say if you are building like a api plus front end app then you know like you are working with the you are working with back end code you are working with like a web server proxy reverse proxy what not you're working with a front end server so there are like these common things that you might face maybe the hot code reloading did not did not work maybe your reverse proxy server did not restart right maybe you're jump, running into course errors it happens all the time with working with front end and back end so the 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 field of uncertainty can be somewhat uh, navigated by doing some advanced planning and if you're working with let's say emails then you know like smtp there are some corner cases you need to figure out you know like maybe the mail mailer daemon is not working or mailer daemon crashed did not restart you change configs those are not reflected common things right some common problem if you're working with background workers and you know like maybe the queues are not looking at the right uh, like right radius configuration and all all those things what i'm saying is like having a plan to navigate the potential known unknowns uh helps now of course if you run into like an unknown unknown hmm. then there's no planning for it uh, and then you're on your own and in that case again it's up to the individual to navigate that but my plan is like uncertainty is a focus killer have a plan for exactly what you're going to do right and you don't need to plan for how you're going to do too much you but you do need to plan for what you're going to do you just exactly this week my task is to do these five things and i know like there are, there are these other five things in the backlog i can pick them up if you know uh, i'm uh, i'm done with my top five things i know what the sixth thing is so that uncertainty is a focus killer we need to make sure that 
we deal with that as much before uh, like before with planning as we can uh, so plan your day well and then again by virtue plan your week well right i always do like weekly planning and whatnot even gtd has a great focus on weekly review and planning yes uh, so that this whole concept of week is i've used it repeatedly uh, in this uh, rules and strategy and pitfall week is a beautiful chunk of work <laughs> right it's 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 so nice like i don't know like how we lucked out into that week thing but it's like four or five days of doing things having a focus theme and all that so good like i when i was a leading team like uh, at colon i would have like uh, i would have week weekly themes like this week i would work on recruitment next week i'd work on let's say uh, some the final product the week after that i would work on the android uh, playbook stuff like that so i would have these weekly themes and i would tell the team that hey we are, this week we're working on this and we'll just go and focus on that per week instead of saying every thursday i'll work on recruitment or i will work on let's say uh, recruitment when it comes up in my in my list uh, the other way to do is like spread it in weekly chunks and it just works beautifully yeah so this week the theme of planning in weeks is a repeatable theme yeah another way to think about it is uh, for senior folks if you are f- focusing on multiple streams then you have multiple things to focus on uh, every week maybe you have four streams and that gives you four weeks worth of you know different focus areas and the idea is that in one week you do critical enough work deep enough work which you end up delegating which like through which you generate clarity and then delegate the clearer work uh, down to your team and they are going to work on it for the next 3 weeks before you come yeah. back to it uh, yeah. after the nice to put it correct so i mean and, and he, even here like similar principles it, it doesn't mean that you are not doing any of the other things what it means is that your boundary in your deep and shallow work your deep work boundary is reserved for this theme right your shallow work boundary obviously is open you know to account for uncertainties interruptions all of that but your deep work boundary is reserved for a particular theme particular plan set of work and then obviously you should let your team know that this is my theme so they know like what to expect you know when you're done etc so some level of expectation setting and all planning can happen especially for leaders i think it's it's critical for leaders like staff engineer for example staff engineer also a leader people don't like i think it's not understood yeah. very clearly but staff and principal engineers are as much leaders as engineering managers and senior yes. engineering managers uh, it's just that they don't manage people's time but they are still leaders and so let's say you're a principal engineer who wants to dive deep into something just let the team know that hey this week my focus is on this and if you have other things my way like send them my way during before planning and i can accommodate that stuff but, yeah. but the idea is that week is a beautiful chunk and we don't use it often enough all right uh the other really important thing is the ledger time is ultra important right we have to forgive ourselves for wanting to have fun and actually go and have fun if your mind is on like the next uh, let's say mission impossible trailer launching this week uh you will keep thinking about it at the back of your mind but if you have like a 30 minute 45 minute slot let's say every day let's say you and i i am somebody who likes watching netflix i'm not i don't really watch it that much but let's say i'm somebody who likes watching netflix i reserve a time in the day where i do it and i know that i am going to get that time in the evening because i want it and i don't want to be thinking about it all the time 
right so i plan for that time and it's in my calendar uh, and i know that i'm going to get that time so i don't worry about it in the morning my mind does not race to open youtube apple tv and what not i know it's like it's there uh, and so that leisure time is great important and great like we must have a leisurely pursuit like we must have fun uh, down time chill time and so we have to account for that as well in in the time in the calendar and again the same thing it's a matter of training the brain right if your brain knows that you're going to get that time later then it does not race to do it right now that assurity that comes from having a system that you can rely on uh cannot be stressed enough right so that's the other thing like forgive yourself for wanting to have fun and then account for time right now next next set of things are about work environment i think we are i know we are coming close to our original time so i'll try to go through some of these things a little bit fast uh and then you know if something strikes to you as uh interesting or you know something that you have experienced then we can talk about that yeah sounds good uh, the most important aspect of the work that people cannot control is your work environment not not everybody can choose a work environment they usually it's a given to them like you know like it, or, or or it's given to them uh you are maybe at your office at home and what not it's very hard to do deep work in office right <laughs> the amount of noise and visual pollution in an office is like just way too high uh right especially like open office plans and our like just productivity and focus killers for that matter right so where where do you sit and work matters a lot uh, so my recommendation is that if you want to attempt deep work for a long period of time work from a work from home or a quiet place that is maybe maybe not uh, maybe your home is not suitable for deep work people have like families and uh, responsibilities and maybe their houses are not suitable for this kind of work so cafe or some library or something right so choose an environment where there is enough uh, uh, quiet Uh, and quiet by both visual and audio standards right there's audio and noise pollution and there's visual pollution so pick an even at work let's say if it's like an office plan pick like a wall facing thing you know uh, and so that people don't walk in front of you things like that so so work environment is quite you got a plan for it noise is definitely a distraction i think everybody knows that noise is a distraction and we invest in things like noise cancellation headphones and what not but the the fact what we miss is the viewport activity no matter how deep focus you are in somebody walks in front of you your focus is dead i guarantee you <laughs> uh, right unless you have cubicles and what not and you don't even notice people like whatever happens in your viewport like the eye what what your eyes where your eyes are that is a distraction right and so viewport activity is much harder to manage you can't control like there's no uh viewport cancellation you know glasses available yeah. to man yet uh, or mankind yet so yeah. pick a place where viewport activity is minimal or zero and non intrusive i've had like things like uh, etiquettes and things at work like workplaces suffer from this disease called tap on the shoulder <laughs> uh, right people come and say hey you know like what not and then you've been thinking about something for like hours and suddenly somebody comes and taps and your focus is broken or you just beginning to get into like a zone where your focus is developing uh and then somebody comes and pings you and you're done uh, right. so those kind of things need to be avoided so there are some things that can work for example uh, 
you can establish an etiquette like if my headphones are on then don't come and tap tap me on the shoulder yeah right if i have like a flag uh, barbecue nation has this wonderful thing right if you yes. raise the flag they'll keep bringing the food you put the flag down that means no food things like that you, you can think set up things like that uh you know uh, train each other uh, in in the team and have that protocol set up in the office if you're working from an office it works great uh the other big distraction is hunger like highly underrated uh, but hunger is a major distraction like when you are in hours uh, focusing sometimes you just get hungry and you can't ignore it you cannot fight biology right and so managing hunger is again like a very nice strategy activity for example if you have like a nice protein rich breakfast in the morning it can satiate you for hours and you're not going to make go hungry but if you eat like a, a dosa without a chutney or like a uh, donut or something super carb heavy or super like uh, high glycemic index rice if you eat like a bowl of rice in the morning your body is going to burn that out in like an hour or two right a very high glycemic index is going to get absorbed and you will you will get the sugar rush uh, and then the carb crash and then that that's going to kill your focus all right so hunger becomes a distraction thirst hunger become become like a distraction thirst is easily managed by having a bottle but hunger is a distraction so you got to manage that uh, hunger really well uh, then the other uh, the other other thing is also sleeping uh, and exercising right like they go hand in hand with hunger if you don't get enough sleep the previous day the chances are that your brain will not go into focus mode the next day right like uh, and again i think this is more commonly understood that people have begin there been a lot of uh, i think back when i gave this talk in 2018 19 sleep was not discussed that often uh but now i think the last few years the awareness has increased people have understood the importance uh, and what factors lead to better sleep and all uh, so i'll probably skip that part uh now i'm coming to a core deeper principle called boredom and embrace boredom is a strong and core deep work tenet you have to get used to that mild level of boredom that comes like let's say you start the server it takes let's say 8 seconds for your server to boot up you cannot be tempted to open twitter in those 8 seconds right or go and jump back to your editor and try something out in those 8 seconds you have to train yourself to just pause and keep looking at that server log right you make an api request you have to wait in that moment for the api request to come back and try things out right we are this we have this bad need driven to uh, driven into them driven into us by bad work environments where we want to optimize every moment of living or working you don't need yeah. to right we have like we we tend to optimize because we want to use our time better and what not and we we become penny wise and pound foolish right and that's exactly what cal newport warned against in in the book that embracing boredom is one of the key aspects of uh, when you are getting used to the boredom then a lot of good things happen like one example is like a habit that i i had broken at some point but i am back to that habit is carrying like phone to the loo like you know <laughs> when you're sitting uh, is carrying the phone it's a bad habit because you are giving into the distraction um, so if you can rid yourself of habits like that it aids in deep work in many like more meaningful ways than we can imagine so that embracing the boredom again is a core principle 
like basically avoid jumping into things when you're waiting for things right and one easy strategy to deal around this is like dial up the verbosity of things if you're starting a ssh session put it in a verbose mode you know add uh, if you're starting a server start in debug mode making an http request add minus vvvvv to your curl command stuff like that you can add things like this to make sure that there's enough interactivity to that keeps you in the moment keeps you glued to the the current problem and does not allow you to jump outward jump anywhere else right window managers and things like that are all all good strategies like tiled window managers uh alfred and those kind of window managers are great way to keep your focus uh, where you are so this maybe an another strategy that works for me is like putting the phone away in a different room for three four hours and i was working from home so it was easy for me to just keep the phone away and uh, somebody was available in the family to let's say the phone rang 10 times they would come and ring my doorbell or something right so i had that luxury uh but you got to find your own luxury somewhere yeah. Uh, yeah a middle ground could be to put your phone away uh 6 to 8 feet uh, away from you 10 feet away from you on the desk in front of you where yeah. you can't immediately reach it with uh, you know half a second sort of an effort you have to get up yeah. and there is a 4 5 second effort involved and it's a good middle ground absolutely and one of the reasons why why is the embrace boredom part important the the fact uh, the jumping around right what what we do when we are bored it trains our mind to be in that mode and it's, it's there's a lot of our brains are surprisingly trainable code of thought right like we can train them to a great extent and even these little activities scrolling on social media and all is actually training training our brains and so yeah. this jumping around trains our brain to not go in that focus mode right it does require uh, it, it needs that effort and all of this quick jumping around and all it trains our mind to be distracted and it prevents long hours of focus eventually what happens is your ability to focus reduces if you give in to distractions too often your ability to focus distract and if you worked in a toxic or hard environment for a couple of years uh your ability to sit down and draft a long form blog post is greatly reduced many many people have reported this it's a common phenomenon like commonly occurring yeah. people in leadership positions often they they are working in hostile or close to hostile environments if you ask them to sit down and craft a blog post they can't do it this over the year the constant Uh, giving in to interruptions has trained the brain to not ever be in a uh, interrupt free zone yeah that's 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 death for engineering skills yeah so anand you know this used to be true for just leadership a few years ago maybe a decade yeah. ago um in yeah. 2000s but since social media came around this has unfortunately became a truth for everyone because yeah. now it's no longer a hostile work environment that you're in it's the hostile environment that you're in where you're yeah. constantly distracted the moment you're free you pull out your phone if you are 5 minutes in the line if you're 15 minutes in the doctor's office you pull out your phone and you're just constantly swiping and that distraction has as you rightly said eaten into our capability to have deeper thoughts and craft deeper more yeah. meaningful things long form things yeah and i think the only recourse is to not do it for again the equally longer or maybe even longer period of time right if you were distracted for a year 
it's going to take you more than a year to get out of it it's yeah. not like a, as simple as like oh i stopped using the phone and now i'm distraction free it's not as simple like you know it's like uh, what they say right in the gym it takes 6 months to build the muscle but like only 1 month to lose it right so if you lose something then uh, it's going to take that much longer to gain it so same thing with distraction difficult problem to solve i was uh, i was in the dubai metro yesterday uh, and the cabin was reasonably full i was sitting and enjoying the view outside me and there were two other people only three people uh, were not on the phone the entire <laughs> other 15 people 16 people in in that in that cabin everybody were on the phone and i was like okay i'm not like a like i'm not without my vices like i also look at the phone all the time right yeah But at least in that moment i found like okay i'll just look at enjoy the view outside even if it's just a concrete jungle nothing nothing special uh, i still found the time to just look outside and think about whatever like you know be engaged in my own thoughts instead of being engaged with the phone and i figured like hey how difficult this could be <laughs> Uh, it turns out it's super difficult like to do it for a longer time anyway so so yeah so that's that's the idea like the 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 effects are long lasting and it's harder to come out of those effects okay i think there's a bunch of things to go i know we are coming out of uh, running out of time potentially the, this the this one section now specifically applicable uh, towards software engineers writers uh, and knowledge workers is that a core thesis of deep work is stretching your limits if you are just doing focused work that is technically not deep work by itself you have to work at the edge of your ability right it's when you work at the edge of the ability magic happens like if i if i had not worked on that deep uh, query data migration zero down to data migration i would have never developed some of those database and sql skills right so the edge of the ability is i think in, in the key for everybody like for managers ics junior seniors you have to work where you are a little bit just your challenge just enough if the, if something is too hard like if i start and sit down and write like an operating system today that's not deep work i have no idea how to do it at the moment it's hmm. so far outside my capability that it'll take me about 6 months before it becomes closer to the edge of my ability at that point i can engage in deep focused work right so but if i let's say start writing a build tool which is well like probably that's well within my capability too but let's say a build tool that is ultra fast and what not that's a little bit on the edge of my ability maybe then i can get into a deeper focus mode so work at the edge of your ability that means sometimes working on adjacent things like pick something you haven't done or like let's say if you've done ruby all your life go for haskell right if you're like a front end developer understand how minification in the browser works how source maps work if you are like a back end engineer understand how deployments are done how how the rule set for let's say uh, jenkins works you know uh, etc like uh, those kind of things right uh, like write a compiler if you are a designer develop a new font like pick up something pick up like seminal open source work like inter inter is an amazingly well designed font pick up inter and maybe design your own typeface on top of inter things like that you know things that are possible uh, are hard but not completely beyond you right uh, that's right. that's the secret like you have to pick work that is just at the edge of your abilities and it's surprisingly possible even in everyday work there is no limit to how sophisticated you can be at your work uh, if you're writing some if you're writing a simple jira ticket 
uh, or user story, hmm. you could write it in whatever way you are used to writing it in 10 minutes. Or you could take 10 more minutes and write a concise, clear draft that is like an outstanding piece of writing. Like, like, like something that people will refer to as the shining example, hey, this is how you should do things. Right? There's nothing stopping you from doing stellar work in every little mundane thing you do. Yeah. Right? And so you stretch that just a little bit when you're doing that puts you again like this is a great antidote for the focus it's like the anti-distraction right so wanting to do and doing stellar work at the edge of your ability is is an antidote to distraction right and then and the, the being at the edge of ability is important because that allows you to get into that focus zone if you don't know how to do something then you're not going to be able to do the focus mode right you're going to keep searching for answers references and whatnot right but like let's say you're writing a one pager and you're trying to draft and one great example for engineers is if you're writing something trying to make the document look pretty like aesthetically pleasing hmm. is a great at the edge uh, activity for engineers let's say you have a resume you can try this Bhavin, like after today take take your resume and give yourself like an hour right put on your favorite music whatnot get into the focus zone make your resume aesthetically pleasing Right, I, I challenge you for this. Like, go go and try it and see and tell me uh, how how you do. It, it doesn't like it doesn't have to be like a designer resume at the end, right? What I'm saying is where where it is from there to like an aesthetically like imagine like your resume should be some it should look like it was designed by Apple, right? You know what I mean? Like yeah. Apple has a they have a design bar that is yeah gold standard. As visually, you know this is Apple. Like when you look at it. Yeah. Right. Something like that. So again, like the the examples are all aimed toward this edge of ability thing. It's a critical part of deep work. Uh, and at work, what happens is it's really, really great to pick something adjacent to our skills because that gives us more breadth in the career as well. So it's like a career aligning thing. If you're a backend engineer, learn DevOps, learn infrastructure. Front end engineer, learn like designing Figma prototyping or learn like deployments, browsers, uh, rendering, DOM, etc. Adjusting skills gives us the breadth, gives us the ability to work deeper and opens up new work horizons as well. So pick adjacent skills and deepen work, work at those adjacent skills. Uh, MOOCs are great, you know, like, and, and this is the point where I want to also make that side projects are just side projects, you know. If you really are passionate about a side project, make it your main project for a week. Take one week off from work. Everybody has like, you know, maybe four weeks of paid holiday. One of those paid holidays could be about this side project that you want to do. Do it for a week and then make it your main project for that week. You will make insane amount of progress. Right? So that edge of ability thing, uh, being immersed into something, a critical aspect of deep work. And you know, this is the part that yeah. Many a times people trivialize this. I just want to amplify before you move on. Sorry, I'm interrupting you. But no, um, many people might say side project, treat your side project as main project for one week. Like, What's the difference? It's the same, right? You're just splitting hairs here. But yeah. no, you're not. Uh, these little mental trickeries is what gets you ahead because the challenge is not that task. The challenge is your brain. Your brain is yeah. preventing you from being productive. And the more you can comfort your brain and put it in the right shape, 
so these are little tricks and little um uh, baby steps to uh, you know train it in the right direction uh, so it goes one absolutely one outlier example is uh, neel agarwal neel.fun the website like the, he puts up like like marvelous pieces of creativity one after the other right again like shows not like brilliant piece and he has a full time job man he does something else uh but he also does these things uh so 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 what i'm saying is like it doesn't come by accident right you you don't get uh intellectual creativity accidentally you have to plan for it work work for it and all of course there's some level of serendipity involved and some luck involved uh but the immersion is a highly underrated technique like you are fully immersed into it then you're going to produce something nice i guarantee you like you know there's enough evidence in the world that immersion really really works writing is a great example like nothing brings out deep focus like writing right you start writing a draft you get bogged into it you get pulled into it and and next you know you've spent 2 hours writing a you know article uh, sometimes like uh, there there have been times where i have forgotten to have food when i was writing uh, in the middle of writing like I, like last week i was i was i was working on a draft uh, for for our uh, engineering strategy for the like next 3 months i forgot to have lunch <laughs> uh, and this is common with me like it happens to me all the time like, i i get so engrossed in work that i you know i forget there have been times where like i forgot to brush my teeth i, I woke up in the morning with a thought started working and now it's like 4 hours since i woke up and i forgot to brush hmm it happens and that's an ex- extreme example but i'm what i'm saying is this whole being engrossed and immersed in something that is at the edge of your ability highly underrated technique and writing is an easiest way to uh, get there it's basically writing is the most accessible form of deep work available to everybody right. even engineers designer anybody right and so investing in getting better at writing again amazing strategy uh i think we spoke a little bit about uh, don't fight biology like you know biological cycles if you are a morning person work in the morning you know, don't fight like that whole thing about 5 am waking up and all i think i think there's a lot of rubbish to that if you're a night person and just accept and just be a night person there's a lot of uh, uh, value in that so i think let's skip the part where uh the biology like generally like my advice on biology was like sleep well uh, you know eat well and uh, exercise a little bit add that expand that into your routine because health plays a lot of uh, role by the way the the medical or the science behind that behind deep work is that that burns a lot of calories and it's sort of uh, if you are really in the zone it's taxing on your body too uh, and not just one day i'm not talking about one single day i'm talking like doing it routinely right uh, if yeah. you do it routinely you get in that mode you burn a lot of calories what not it is taxing and so you need to have in 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 better health sometimes you just run out of energy i i've noticed this multiple times when i'm not in great shape shape i just run out of energy to do like deep work right i'm like okay my brain is fried for the day and what not right? and and this day is like i'm talking about like 12 pm not even like at 6 pm if you say my brain is fried understandable but right. sometimes they like, just get tired at 12 pm because you have not been managing your food and sleep and diet well so my larger point is like you cannot fight biology right no body hack no nothing works if you grew up eating a certain type of food 
then eat that food you know <laughs> it's good for you uh, like uh, if let's say you grew up in uh, rajasthan and certain type of food uh, in your family environment you know it's going to be beneficial for you to continue eating that as your main diet obviously you can try other things and what not but what i'm saying is don't fight biology like don't don't go out of it to oh i will work 16 hours a day for like like this next two months not going to happen you're not going to go, go into any kind of focus mode if you ignore biology like that right yeah. it's a little bit stupid to try and fight that to be honest and so that was my last uh, bit of strategy that hey uh, you know don't fight biology like sort those things in life if you really want to go attempt deep work if you're doing two jobs and all chances are that you can't do good at any any of the jobs for example uh, so that's so that was all like that 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 was on the whole rules and strategies if you were to summarize it like basically separate the deep and shallow create clear boundaries then focus on focus like make a plan to be in focus work environment uh, set it up plan all those things and then make them happen uh, then stretch your limits work at the edge of your ability and then finally don't fight biology Right. So these are like the four uh, high-level uh, strategies, and then we saw a bunch of smaller rules and tactics around, around those things. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. So I think probably like anyway from a time perspective, also uh, we can probably stop here. The next section was basically about pitfalls and things like that. Yeah. Let's uh, go into that. Let's cover the pitfalls. I would say. Got it. If you are also okay one that. of yeah, I think there are two of them actually particularly interesting. One is going too far down the rabbit hole and losing the big picture this happens a lot with deep work that you get so into it that you just ignore everything else right mm-hmm. or like you go offshoot like you know wikipedia spelunking one page after one page after one page and you now you lost track of what you originally and so you know like no outcomes etc and so that going too far down the rabbit hole is the real problem happens right. especially and this is a problem not early in the cycle it's a problem later in the cycle you're not going to get into it or perhaps in the beginning when you're not focused enough it can happen so that's one pitfall and you've got to avoid that uh, how to avoid that uh, a bunch of things for example one thing oh, sorry before we go into solutions one symptom of going too far rabbit, down the rabbit hole is abdicating responsibility for focus right mm-hmm. like you have certain responsibilities towards like whatever like uh, at work family whatnot and you you abdicate those responsibilities in search of focus it happens it happened with me as well multiple times uh, i always end up sacrificing some of the other thing you know in in that search for the elusive focus uh, so that's a that's a negative sign and the moment that sign shows up you need to take a pause and check or uh, you become ineffective at collaboration sometimes that's a real pitfall and you are so drawn to the idea of focus that you forget to get those boundaries and you know uh, become ineffective at collaboration. This is a common pattern. Uh, basically, the idea of the brilliant jerk is so uh, uh, sort of sedu- it seduces you, right? Oh, it's selective. Oh, I'll be the yeah. brilliant jerk who is so skilled that people will tolerate that person for whatever reasons. Uh, it's a selective idea, it's a terrible idea. <laughs> Uh, yeah, nobody likes to work with brilliant jerks, right? Um, yeah, they don't get anything done as well. Like not unless they are exceptionally gifted. Like if you're Linus Torvalds, you know, you build Git and you build Linux. People, people are willing to tolerate you for some reason. And even people did not tolerate Linus Torvalds as well. Yeah, uh, like 
So if they can't tolerate Lannis Torvalds, you are not as gifted as Lannis Torvalds. I guarantee you. <laughs> developers unlock the mass creativity and all that and then that's why linux runs the world it's not an exaggeration to say that linux runs the world uh and and Absolutely. same thing right so this whole i am not good at collaboration is complete bullshit in my opinion right uh, no amount of focused work uh, gives you the excuse to be bad at collaboration hmm. right so but that and but that's a real pitfall it can happen uh, in search of focus right. uh, in effective communication right just uh, extension of collaboration is communication uh it can happen uh the other thing that can happen is like becoming a jira ticket pusher like you have this somebody is telling you what to do and you get into a deep focus zone just to push jira tickets from to do to done you get into a habit of constantly doing what someone else is telling you to do you lose agency it's a very very uh, bad place to be in and it's a real pitfall when it comes to like deep focused work right you you get so engrossed in basically that focus also becomes a little bit like lucrative and you want that 4 hours of uninterrupted work you will just do the work that is in front of you without really planning and looking at the long, larger picture and without crafting a path for yourself like having that agency right one key aspect of deep work is that individual agency where you are pursuing things that appeal to you that broaden you that deepen you and so one easy pitfall is we just fall back on work to tell us what to do and we end up doing becoming like a jira ticket pusher uh, not a great outcome so people need to watch out for that if that is happening then best thing to do is talk to peers friends what not your trusted circle who can then help you get out of it right uh, one one leading piece of that is are you doing what someone else is telling you to do or are you crafting putting work on your own plate and if you're doing what someone else is telling you to do then you are on a slippery slope then you need to quickly stop right so that's right. that's that's a pitfall uh, need, needs to be avoided uh, the other uh, the other pitfall other other category of pitfall is overestimating your deep work ability right there's a point of diminishing return in deep work like you cannot meaningfully do more than 3 4 hours of work in a day deep work in a day it's just not humanly biologically possible Yeah, right? and people have like, oh, I will have like eight hours of focus time. I'll do this and whatnot. It's not possible. Like you know, like unless you are like a trained uh, chess grandmaster or something, right? I mean, I know like Magnus Carlsen and Vishwanath Anand. These people, they do like focus work for seven eight day, seven eight hours in a day, often, right? But they don't do it every day. They have like a few months of training where they do it. Right, so they are yeah. and and then their entire other lives are managed around it. Yeah, they have the food. and if if anand is doing like say 6 hours of focused work he's sleeping like 12 14 hours on those days right wow he's eating like planned meals stuff like that so there is a whole ecosystem around a support system around them to help them and these are extreme cases right like you and i are not vishwanath anand we got to identify our caliber at some level and say hey you know what i am not that right yeah uh and so 
but anyway let's say even if like say i mean you i'm not i don't speak for you like you, maybe you're talented you're, you're like a talent it'll take some time before you have that kind of support system uh, to start doing those things so so these limits we need to you know identify and the point of no return or point of diminishing return is something we need to identify right that's one now the other key pitfall is missing out on leadership opportunities uh fundamentally speaking the the deep work zone is a very high uh, ic zone right uh, leadership is fairly interrupt driven and uh, it it deals with like 80% of shallow work and there is obviously deep, there is uh, periods of focused work in leadership and running a business and what not but it's technically not knowledge work right you are you're offloading the knowledge work to someone else and you're managing a bunch of knowledge workers to deliver a business outcome in a leadership position and doing long periods of deep work years and years can sometimes make you miss out on the leadership opportunities leadership is a great way to grow in the career make like good financial outcome for yourself and what not and uh, the pursuit of deep work can sometimes make you miss uh, Uh, on out on those things this is a pitfall people have tried because what happens is people think too highly of themselves they think they'll become like the point the point 12% in the world in something they pursue it yeah uh, but in that pursuit they don't go there but they also miss out on some of the other opportunities that came their way right right so that that happens sometimes so this is where the caliber ambition uh, matching needs to happen and the presence of mentors important in your life uh, so this is another pitfall like uh, so the, i mean the research there is research that indicates that the kind of work that is conducive for deep work is often individual level and mm-hmm. so if you're that kind of person then you may end up miss out on that leadership so you got to watch out you got to have people who watch your back for that right so yeah so that's those are the three four pitfalls losing the big picture losing out on collaborative and community communicative aspects at work uh trying out too much deep work and going in the diminishing returns zone and then finally missing out on leadership these are like the four top pitfalls i think that people need to watch out for in some ways i've experienced these uh all of them uh, myself uh, and then in some ways i've seen people uh, experience these as well on their own so yeah so those are the top uh, top four pitfalls obviously there could be there could be more uh but remember like despite talking about all of this i think i want to bring everybody's focus back on to two things one is that we want to quickly master hard things right our goal has to be that master hard things fast and then second is produce output at an elite level right in terms of both quality and speed and if we set our goals to these two things then a lot of things work out just in that process so fundamentally this whole deep work and being focused uh, work at the age of ability is about mastering hard things and then producing output and at an elite level and as long as we are aligned on that goal i think uh, you know there's a chance that you you and i can also continue doing this and anybody who's listening can get on that path and continue doing this yeah so that's that's the thesis uh, i'm always happy to uh, you know talk more or uh, discuss like on a more one on one level uh, should the need arise right uh, thank you for re-delivering the talk uh, around deep work 
that you have delivered in the past um people who have questions feel free to comment down uh, below the video on whichever platform you are seeing this and uh, me and swanand will try and respond to it um and we can have more actually like yeah i'm always active on like twitter uh you know ping me anytime uh, i'm like like i said like i i always like uh, talking about these things cool awesome it was yeah it, it was great having you here swan thank yes. you for taking uh, on thanks for inviting me i had a great time i think uh, i liked how the conversation sort of flew naturally and uh, the couple of points that you added uh, all throughout like you know i think they were pretty good that speaks to me like you have experienced uh, some of this yourself yeah. uh, and uh, i i could sense that uh, you know uh, yeah so so that's great always uh, always nice to talk to somebody who has done this kind of work before so awesome <laughs> thanks awesome great Thank you.